It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, listen, I, I, I say listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Holiday Inn and all their properties. Hey listen, if you're going to be uh, going somewhere, traveling you need a place to stay and if you're like me, you're like you know, quality places, well, stay at a Holiday Inn property. My favorites are the Holiday Inn Express and the Holiday Inn Resorts. But wait, I can give you a discount. That's right, the Billy C. discount. All you got to do is call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364. Find out why uh, I travel and stay at the Holiday Inn. If you're like me and you can't remember the number, we made it easy for you. We actually put a link to uh, Holiday Inn on our website. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click the banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molinar, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com. Or Amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. It's a quick read, man. Pick it up a copy. Pick it up at a copy, huh? Uh, if you want a signed copy. Speaking of copies, if you want a signed copy, just uh, visit the website, BillyCBoxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Now, if you're uh, one of my favorite peoples, you're going to want multiple copies. You want multiple copies, and you want them all signed just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, we got some emails to read. Um, we also, uh, there's a fight tonight on ESPN. Uh, Romero Duno, uh, or Duno, uh, of course, uh, I do not know how uh, to pronounce anyone's name, but uh, uh, he's taking on... Uh, Gilberto Gonzalez, uh, so we'll be uh, talking about that. Um, you know what today is, right? 
Today is uh, Super Chat Thursday. That's right. We want you to interact with us. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, whatever, and if you want it to be part of uh, the show today, all you got to do is uh, give us a Super Chat. Uh, up in the uh, YouTube super chat or YouTube chat room and uh, click on the uh, super chat and uh, we'll uh, we'll hook you right up so uh, get involved with that uh, we uh, we want you part of the show so uh, but uh, also some in the big news today uh, that's gonna spread uh, I'm sure uh, throughout the day it's uh, uh, just hitting the airways uh, uh, right now a big time update on uh, the dream fight for the heavyweight division and the sport itself Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder now in case you've been living under a rock somewhere Anthony Joshua has all of the belts in the heavyweight division except for one and that one is owned by Deontay Wilder both of these fighters are uh, uh, undefeated Uh, they're uh, arguably the top two heavyweights uh, in the world today and uh, they're on a collision course to see who's finally number one Uh, a lot of uh, uh, rhetoric from Deontay Wilder pounding his chest uh, saying he's the best Anthony Joshua says he's the best not as uh, in the same manner Uh, but it's been reported that this fight is extremely close to being made Uh, and will take place this year. The focus has been on November of this year to have the fight take place. Right now, um, there's a couple of stumbling blocks. Uh, If you recall, the last time we've heard anything out of Deontay Wilder, which is uncharacteristic, by the way, uh, was his offer, and it was a personal offer, one-to-one, which was totally unorthodox and, and out of uh, the realm of, of professional uh, contract negotiation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, nonetheless, he had offered uh, Anthony Joshua $50 million to come and fight him. Um, apparently, that's got not only uh, Anthony Joshua, but his promoter, Eddie Hearn's attention. And uh, as far as we know, there's been some serious negotiations being done the way they should be, behind closed doors and not through the media. However, some uh, very reliable sources have said that this fight is very close to being signed in November. What There's a couple of stumbling blocks, uh, little things, who's going to come out first, et cetera, et cetera, what network it's going to be on. But one of the major stumbling blocks at this stage uh, is where the fight will be according to inside sources the um offer of 50 million dollars that uh came from Deontay Wilder and his uh supposed backers uh, his team being uh, Al Heyman uh, and Shelly Finkel um was on the contingency that it would be held in the United States now we all know that uh, Anthony Joshua has drawn uh, close to 100,000 people live uh, for his last uh, couple of fights. You know, one was close to 190-something, one was in the 80s. Um, 
and uh, Deontay Wilder has yet to really be a huge draw. But they said that uh, if the fight takes place, this is Team Wilder, if the fight has to take place in the UK, then there's no guarantee uh, of the money. You know, I didn't really put uh, too much credence in the fact that the $50 million was there anyway. I'm not saying that these guys couldn't make that kind of money, but, uh, but I, it was a good enough ploy to get some serious negotiations going. Now, uh, one guy that has maintained uh, his uh, uh, prediction that this fight would take place this year, which was totally against what I have predicted. I have predicted that this fight would not take place until the end of next year, 2019, uh, is uh, this guy right here coming on right now, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, it looks like uh, uh, for all intent and purposes from uh, some uh, flies on the wall that I've been talking to, uh, you may be right. You may be right. You may be crazy, but you may be right. Wait, I may be right. That's a song, I may right? be wrong. But What's hey, your thoughts on the latest development? Crazy. What's your thoughts on the latest development? Well, you know, I'm very excited to hear about that. And and Bill, you know, one thing I'll say is I'll never told you. I never told you so because, you know, I, the best thing we could see is this fight come to fruition before the end of this year, and uh, it'd be great for boxing, great for the heavyweight division, and great to see, as Michael Buffer would say, somebody's old has got to go <laughs> and uh uh everybody wants to see this fight so i i never looked at the situation that was presented where they were going to potentially uh uh risk the reward as far as these two combatants meeting while they were undefeated by taking on other opponents so Hopefully everything, as we said, and I have said it all along, was it's going to be done behind closed doors, and one day we're going to hear it. Well, let's hope that these days are getting closer, and what you heard today from your sources, uh, very reliable resources, uh, are coming to fruition, and we're going to see this fight signed, sealed, delivered. So I'm very excited about it, Bill. Thanks, man. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, wanting to have the fight in the U.S., and you know, I guess they're they're really pushing for that fifty million reasons, um, and and the two leading uh, uh, locales for for the fight should it take place in the United States uh, is obviously uh, uh, Las Vegas and the biggest venue there, which is the T-Mobile uh, Arena, and uh, also in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center, uh, two uh, venues that actively uh, pursue the big fights. Um, do you think that? It's a mistake um, in terms of revenue generation for the fights to take place, the first fight anyway, to take place in the United States versus uh, England. And, and keep in mind that, you know, a lot of the U.S., the reason why uh, Team Wilder wants to fight in the U.S. is that they feel that they could do better uh, with the pay-per-view revenue because they would be able to air the fight, um, you know, uh, during the normal U.S., you know, quote, prime time, unquote, slot uh, if the fight's uh, live in the U.S. What, what's your thoughts on uh, the fight potentially taking place in the United States versus the U.K.? I think there's enough time, and if the fight was to be taking place in the United States, I think with Eddie Hearn's input, I think he could still help stimulate the interest across the aisles and across the pond. 
to have a big, big venue uh, take place where there's going to be a lot of fan interaction and a lot of interest and a lot of tickets sold. So I think uh, I, I think with this timing right now and with Eddie Hearn's input and with just the Deontay Wilder's unfortunate having to self-promote himself, I still think that uh, there's going to be enough interest to uh, to have these tickets sold. And I sure could see that being a good, solid point. And Deontay uh, made a good point. I think the pay-per-view domestically would would do. Uh, I think it would do well over in uh, over in the UK as well. Um, but I, I do think that what he's saying is let's rally it. And you know what? Why not have it here? Anthony Joshua has always wanted a fight in the United States. We'll let his uh, first big fight and exposure to the United States uh, uh, be with the defense of his world title belts and also Deontay Wilder's title belt online. So I think on the line. So I think uh, I think it's great. I think it'd be great. And we'll make it a positive bill. If it's going to be here, the first fight, let's make it a positive. All systems go and it'll be promoted. It'll be a success. And if it happens to be across the pond in the UK, then all systems go. In other words, I don't want to look at anything that's not going to happen. We're going to make this fight. Uh, everybody's going to talk about it. Everybody's going to promote it. Everybody's going to make sure that it's going to be a success. And I really feel that in my heart of hearts. It doesn't matter as long as it rematches in the other country. You know, of course, from a personal note, I, I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I would like the fight to be in the U.S. I would love to see uh, the, this fight uh, of this kind of, you know, this type of magnitude uh, take place in the U.S. However, I disagree with the theory that pay-per-view sales would do better if the fight took place in, in the U.S. Now, the reason why I say this is because regardless of the distributor, whether it's Showtime, HBO, or whatever, um, there's going to be overseas uh, opportunities for the pay-per-view. So, in other words, if it was taking place Correct. in the U U.S., it's not like people in the U.K. or anywhere else in the world can't buy it through another provider, okay? So the pay-per-view sales are, are, are kind of, in my opinion, clumped together. Now, whatever the breakdown of the revenue stream is, in other words, if, let's just say for argument's sake, uh, Showtime is the pay-per-view ca main carrier here in the States, you know who picks it up in the in the UK? Well, they're going to get a piece of the pie as well. So, um, you know the the actual revenue that goes back to the fighters would be diluted uh, if the original pay per view was uh, coming from the US and and then had to be redistributed to to the UK. And, and the same thing. I mean, it evens out because the same thing happens if it was the other way around. If if the UK was uh, the primary. Uh, you know, pay-per-view source, and it had to be subbed, so to speak, to a United States-based uh, pay-per-view carrier. So I think that becomes a wash. I think the focal point falls on the live audience gate and how much money can be revenue, how much revenue can be made from the live gate. And when you look at the venues that they're discussing uh, in terms of the United States, uh, being the Barclays Center or uh, the T-Mobile, uh, you know, both of these facilities can house, you know, substantial amount of fans, you know, 20,000, may, maybe 25, uh, the T-Mobile may, may be a little bigger, Barclays can be configured maybe a little bigger, but, but and, and in most cases, you know, one of the uh, uh, arguments a lot of times 
uh, about uh, at least the naysayers will say, well, you know, uh, Anthony Joshua sells out all these stadiums, but they sell the tickets cheap. Um, in this case, in this particular for this particular fight, I can't see a, a, a venue in the United States that could generate more, uh, you know, live gate revenue than the stadiums that they house these fights in in the UK. And that's even considering a markup, a substantial markup in price structure in the UK for the tickets. I mean, if they're selling 80,000 seats for, uh, uh, you know, uh, Deontay, I mean, I'm sorry, Anthony Joshua uh, against Joseph Parker, uh, what are they going to sell for? They sold 90000 for AJ and Klitschko. I, I would think that they would have to minimally match that for Deontay against uh, AJ. So I, I think that the maximum revenue would be generated if the fight was took place uh, in, in the UK, at least the first fight. The second fight, you know, it, especially if the first fight is, is exciting, then things change. You know, you, you could you could up the price of the pay-per-view, which brings you to another thing. How much are they going to charge? You know, the, the, the number that is being tossed around for, for uh, uh, you know, just for m- mathematical purposes is between 60 and $75 in the U.S. You know, could this fight become a $100 pay-per-view in the rematch? So I, I think it's smarter and more financially beneficial to have the first fight in the UK, Sal. And you make some valid points, Bill. And and like I said, I think, you know, can they move it to a stadium? Can it be fought in Yankee Stadium? Can it be fought, you know, the, uh, i got to check the weather. Let's look at the farm results. Well, wait, let me stop you. Let me stop yeah. you because you got to remember that these fights of, of this level, it's not just about putting it in a, in a venue no. For X amount of people, these venues actually bid on having the fight there, and sometimes that deal might mean you know, like the Barclay Center or or the T-Mobile might say, "Listen, we'll give you X amount of money to have the fight here." Then they keep the ticket sales, or they might say, "You know, we'll give you X amount of money. We split the ticket sales, we split the the concessions, or whatever." So, so right. they're getting money. You know what I'm saying? So, I oh, mean, yeah. you got to keep that in mind. Yankee Stadium, although uh, you know that's such a tradition traditional place, and yeah, you can house way more people. The same thing with the uh, Dallas Cowboy Stadium. Um, I just don't know. Well, Dallas Cowboy, I mean, uh, Jerry Jones, he's in a position to do it. But sometimes these other uh, uh, owners of these venues may not be willing to open up the checkbook, as is, you know, uh, the two uh, uh, boxing meccas. You know, uh, Barclays Center is, wants to be considered the, the place for major boxing events, and, and so does the new uh, T-Mobile. So keep that in mind, uh, you know. But uh, go ahead, well, finish your thought. Let me say, uh, to say this, you know, as far as the excitement, as far as the draw, what I saw take place this past weekend at Madison Square Garden, I did not see one empty seat uh, for the uh, fight that we just saw there with uh, with uh, Lomachenko. I mean, it was it was sold out, uh, or it was filled anyway. We could say, or the um, camera but, shot was filled. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. I mean, I go to a I go to a lot of lot I go to a lot of live events, and a lot of times the camera angle they will fill that section of the stadiums or, or venues first so that the camera shot looks full. 
Well, I'll tell you what. This this shot that I saw was uh, from uh, the uh, downstage, if you will, uh, looking and panning out across the whole uh, wide angle uh, stadium of uh, of uh, Madison Square Garden. And I did not see one empty seat. In fact, I'd like to find out the totals of uh, how many people attended that fight, that live event, um, and, and what the capacity of Madison Square Garden truly is. But I will tell you this. I think we have to make it a positive no matter where they select it. And we look at the positive. And here's why. There's going to be a spin. we got a spin to win. Because this fight taking place either in Vegas, which definitely could deserve that fight and it'll be big. Uh, I could see every celebrity you, you, you could think of wanting to be ringside for this fight. And every dignitary and everybody that's a big boxing fan would be ringside for this fight domestically. You'll get some that go over to the pond, sure, and, and be there. But uh, I think domestically you'll have a slam right in our faces, everybody that's going to be at that fight ringside. And I think that could do that. The Barclay at the uh, at the uh, um, uh, Las Vegas, it, it could do it anywhere. I think domestically it would draw. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I think we got to spin to win. No matter where it's going to be, we got to make it a positive and and uh, accentuate what's going to happen. And guess what? I think this could be an eighty to a hundred dollar pay per view. And I think by the time it's all said and done, you know, you could see easy a hundred dollars. Get a couple buddies over. Let's watch the fight in the living room, and they all chip in twenty bucks, whatever. It could be divided up. It could be, in other words, this fight is so big. I think people will find the resources to really want to see something special take place. And I think that's the kind of magnitude, that's the kind of promotion, that's the kind of spin they got to do. Spin to win. Hold that thought. I got uh, I some win. other comments to make on this. We got to take a break. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we are talking Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, most likely uh, taking place November of this year. The question is, where's it going to take place? We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, we were talking uh, about the uh, uh, potential Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight that uh, they're talking about now. Uh, Very good uh, chance that it's going to be happening in November. Um, Don't forget, make sure you join us on tomorrow's show when we break down uh, the big fight scheduled for this weekend, including... uh, Badeau Jack against uh, Adonis Chickenson. I, I mean, uh, Stevenson. And uh, I just bet lunch uh, on my good friend uh, Dave Wojcicki uh, over in uh, the Facebook uh, simulcast. So, uh, uh, And I'm not letting Dave, when, when he loses, I'm not letting him uh, uh, try to take me to McDonald's or, or Wendy's or something like that. He's, he's, he, he's going to have to go to the bank before he uh, 
uh, takes me. If he wins, he's he's gonna get a he's gonna get a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But uh, uh, in any event, don't forget it's Super Chat Thursday. So join us over in the YouTube chat room and uh, give us a super chat and uh, let your uh, thoughts and opinions or comments be heard. Uh, Sal, before we went to break, um, you were making some statements about, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pay-per-view, et cetera, et cetera, that it could possibly be a a $100 pay-per-view. Here's why I think that the first fight should be in the UK, as much as I want it in the United States, okay? So everybody yeah. that's getting ready to send me an email, why are you going against uh, the Americans, uh, Billy C? You know, but uh, here's, here's, here's the thing. Let's, let's be real here. So far in the history of pay-per-view uh, boxing, the king of pay-per-views is none other than Floyd Mayweather. There is no argument there. Uh, Floyd Mayweather has made, um, you know, I think he's in the top, uh, maybe four out of the top five pay-per-views that have ever taken place. So nobody has made uh, the money or have gotten the pay-per-view buys than Floyd Mayweather. Now, with that said, Floyd Mayweather has also never sold 20,000 tickets to a pay-per-view. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that that Floyd couldn't fill up a stadium? Um, What that means is the fact that Floyd has always fought in Nevada and Las Vegas is that the United States boxing fan, the guy that's shelling out or the girl that's shelling out the money, would prefer to sit home and watch it on their couch rather than go to a stadium or a venue, for that matter, to watch it live. That's where there's a huge difference between uh, the United States fans and the European fans. The European fans make it a point to be there live. That's why they can fill uh, a, uh, a stadium with 90,000 people in it and still get the buys. Um, you know, this past weekend, I remember, uh, I think it was my man Johnston was telling us uh, via a super chat yesterday that Huey Fury's last fight uh, got over a couple of million uh, views as well. That's Huey Fury, you know, so, and he's nowhere near uh, as big as, as Anthony Joshua uh, and, you know, let alone him fighting Deontay Wilder. So in the bottom line, is I just think that the revenue that could be generated uh, by having it in the UK and a stadium that's willing to, to bring it um, is going to get both of these guys more money. I think Deontay's making a mistake about trying to push that he wants it in the U.S. You know, the could it be the fans itself, Sal? I mean, do you think that he's uh, hesitant because of the the – the wild support that that Anthony Joshua gets with ninety thousand fans that Deontay wouldn't get is is he trying to to give himself the live cheering edge? I mean, I, I I mean if it's about the money, it should. I still think that the UK could generate more. Well, maybe it can on that level, but the bottom line is, like I said, I'm an old grunt from the military, so I'm going to make any playing field, any situation, a winning a winning hand. And the bottom line is, if it's going to be here domestically, we'll find ways to make it a positive. And we could, we could, we could get tickets sold. Number one, to a live event and to pay per view. 
And I think, uh, like I said, this will be a large, large venue. This could be something big. It could be marketed. It could be advertised. And and like I said, I think Eddie Hearn, you, you'll you see a couple of Airbuses coming over from the U.K. And there surely is enough people in the, in the United States from the U.K. that would want to be present. So I, I think I think on that level, like I said, no matter what the playing field is that, that is going to be presented, we just got to look at how to maximize and how to utilize our resources to make it happen. And uh, that's where I think we'll 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 pull some big surprises. And uh, I, I think the pay-per-views will work out. I think I think everything will look good. I think I think there's enough time and enough enough uh, uh, variables here that we can pull together and uh, make this thing a big thing no matter where it is. Sure, UK is known. And when you see Anthony Joshua fill up a stadium time in and time out over and over again of 80,000-plus fans, that's great. But then let's see also what are they what are they paying for a, a, a ticket over there? I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is no matter where it's going to be, we're going to maximize uh, what what we need to do to make this big fight uh, one of the best, one of the biggest uh, in the last, uh, last decade anyway. So we'll see what happens. I just said earlier that you can't use the the what are they going to pay because that that's the, that that's the argument always that you get from from people that are a hell of a lot less knowledgeable than than you are and they and they say that all the time you know well, I, oh well I, I know uh, so and, and so let, let me give you some numbers let me give you some numbers for an example for an example let me let me I'm gonna give them to you let let, let me give you an example um, the uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez and Triple G fight that took place last year uh, at the T-Mobile Arena which is bigger. Uh, you know, one of the bigger venues that live boxing has been in, with the exception of Dallas Cowboy Stadium, uh, generated $27 million for the gate. Okay, so whatever that worked wow. out to be tickets, $27 million, which is pretty good. Pretty good. But, but Wembley Stadium can hold four times that amount. So even if they upped the price, even if they doubled or tripled the price, they're still going to sell it. We're talking about, we're talking about the U.K., that has taken 90,000 seats uh, and, and sold out in a day for an Anthony Joshua versus Klitschko fight, okay? So I, even if they quadrupled the ticket price, it's still going to sell out. And now you're talking even at the same rates, uh, ticket rates that uh, Canelo Alvarez and Triple G got last year, that would net 120 million roughly versus you know 30 million okay 120 four times so you're talking about 120 million in revenue just for the gate we haven't even touched the pay-per-view yet you know if if uh, you know basic uh you know if, even if this fight didn't do a million buys which i think it will worldwide um and and if you came in you know just to keep numbers sim simple if you came in at 600,000 and and let's let's you know ch uh, charge uh, sixty bucks. You know that's that's you know thirty six million dollars in pay per view. You tack mm -hmm. that onto one hundred twenty million. I, I mean, it makes listen unless they could do like you said, get this at a stadium where they can compete with the kinds of numbers that the UK can in terms of fannies and seats. Uh, I I don't see them generating at least for the first fight. Because remember, if the first fight lives up to half the expectations, 
anyone who didn't buy it or didn't go to it the first time is surely going to go to it the second. So based on the first one, I can't see a U.S. venue making more money overall you know, combined with uh, fannies and seats, tickets, and pay-per-view sales than having this fight in the U.K. sale? Well, I think uh, two things. Two things we got to look at here, too. I think that uh, there's going to be, as I said, we're, we're shooting in the dark right now. We're looking at uh, hypothetical situations. Uh, I just feel in my heart of hearts like I felt all along that we're going to be able to put together some resources to maximize what's available and what we could do to validate the numbers and make them happen. And uh, there's creative ways. There's other ways. There's other other uh, variables that could come into play. So I, I, I do think that with, with, the, with the multifaceted diamond that this will be, uh, there's going to be in a lot of ways that they're going to shave that dollar and, and, and create the revenue necessary for it to be a big success. And guess what? If uh, this fight is, is half of what we anticipate it to be, there's going to be enough interest that, yes, they'll maximize it over in the U.K. for the second fight, the rematch, no matter who wins. And you're going to see world record-breaking numbers over there as well. I, uh, I just, you know, as these negotiations continue, um, you know, I, and then when you look at the, uh, you know, who has the, the upper hand, I don't think it's much I don't think there's any competition to to suggest that Deontay Wilder should be uh, you know for no better term the A side in this fight you know I I mean clearly he's not the A side Anthony Joshua is you know if regardless of uh, your opinion of who's better who would win or anything like that and I don't mean your opinion Sal I mean anybody's opinion um the truth of the matter is is you know, Anthony Joshua has the majority of the belts. You know, he's he's got he's got um, four of the major uh, belts. You know, Deontay has one, the WBC. Um, you know, Deontay has more fights. True, but you know, Anthony Joshua is a is a global, much bigger name globally. Um, I I just don't see any you know leg to stand on for Anthony Joshua. To have this fight in the UK, except for the fifty million dollar guarantee. Now, if if Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing feel that they can't generate fifty million for, um, and, and we haven't heard any numbers for for Deontay. You know, we've heard no. Deontay Wilder's team guaranteed Anthony Joshua fifty million should he come to the U.S. To me, that means they're banking on you know, making the kinds of numbers that we're throwing out here if the fight were in the U.K., uh, that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Oh, you, know, you better it, believe it, it if, baby. If it does generate uh, a million pay-per-view, you know, views, then they do need a bigger stadium at a higher price ticket to pay everybody. You know, I, I don't think it's a smart business move. I don't think that the numbers that they're tossing around can be made in the U.S. on the first time out. I don't. I, you know, you know the, the first fight could, could, could set the path for a larger pay-per-view uh, the second time around. Sal, hold that thought. We, we, yeah. Once again, we got to take a break. Uh, we will be back, and then don't worry, we won't be taking uh, another break for a while, but uh, we'll be back in two. 
Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And it's uh, Thursday. And what that means is it's uh, Super Chat Thursday. That's right. Come on over uh, to our uh, YouTube chat room. And uh, get your question, comments, concerns, whatever heard live on the show. Give us a super chat and we'll hook you up. Doesn't matter what you give. Just give something. Our first one in the day is my man Johnston. His super chat, he says, hey, well, you know, we're talking about the possibility of uh, Deontay Wilder uh, fighting Anthony Joshua. The big question now is where it's going to be. Uh, and uh, Johnston says in his super chat, uh, 38,000 fans are attending the Warrington-Selby fight, which is scheduled for this weekend. One of the fights will be breaking down tomorrow. And uh, 38,000 fans for, for, for Warrington-Selby. They don't even have major television. And no disrespect to Warrington or Selby, uh, but they don't even have major television. They're streaming on YouTube. Uh, for the fight, and yet 38,000 people, I don't care if they're paying five bucks to get in, that's still 38,000 people leaving the comforts of their own home and their bottles of scotch. Oh, wait a minute, that's my comforts. But, uh, uh, you know, to go watch a live fight. So, so Sal, you know, th this is my whole point about why, you know, and, and people are arguing the same thing you said earlier. Oh, well, the, you know, the fans don't pay as much. The ch tickets are cheaper, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, forget about all of that. All the rules go out the window when you have the demand for a fight like this. The magnitude of this fight between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder could quadruple the cost of a live gate ticket uh, in the U.K. So you can't compare the amount of fannies that can go in the seats that are willing to pay to go in the seats between the UK and the US. The pay-per-view numbers will remain the same, in my opinion. It doesn't matter. And here, I, no, wait, there's more. Because in there's the UK, in, in, in the UK, and this has happened in the past for Klitschko fights, the UK, they're willing to, to come to a fight at early in the morning or real, real late uh, at night so it can be conducive for the American pay-per-view audience so we can see it live and not a, via a, a delay. So, I mean, you have all those tangibles going and a, and a willingness by the UK fan base, whereas the United States fan base, you know, uh, they're very reluctant to go see a big event live. I'm talking about a big event. Uh, like, a, like, you know, something like this. They would watch it at home, uh, and I'm not so sure they could get $100. I think the, the, the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight that everyone shelled out 100 bucks for has left a bad taste in, in the uh, consumer's mouth. Even for a fight of this magnitude, I think that the powers that be have to be very careful about what they choose to charge for this fight, Sal. I think they would be 
better off charging a reasonable rate for the first fight and then look to clean up in the second one. I, listen, regardless of who wins the first fight, even if it's a first-round knockout, somebody getting knocked out, the, the excitement level is going to justify a rematch. Oh, yeah. And like I said, they have plenty of time to find out ways to promote this. And with Eddie Hearn's input in here, they could have they could have this fight in Alaska, and I think that it's going to do well. And, you know, look at the casinos. You know they're going to buy half the damn tickets, and they're going to hand them out to their high rollers and, and everything else. So that, that's not even a question. Uh they're going to generate it. I know they'll generate the money. They'll find out. And you just hit on a good point. We'll follow this. Because of some of the apathy in the past that some of the U.S. fans have shown in the sport of boxing of late, not, of, uh, you know, not, 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 not guaranteed, not saying anything negative. Well, we've got to look at the situation at hand. If this fight is held in the U.K., it's going to be shown here, was it six or eight hours earlier? So is it going to be a four o'clock in the afternoon fight here? Is it going to be a six o'clock in the evening fight here? Or are fans going to not want to pay-per-view uh, or, or have the interest they would normally unless it is a 10 o'clock show or 11 o'clock show here? which would make it uh, either 4 in the morning or 6 in the morning but, over there. But that's the so, point. That's my point. It, they've done this before. You th let, let me ask you a question. And and it, it, we have a very large UK following, okay? And and, and, I'll and, and they'll be and, willing to jump off the, uh, well, well, the, the lamp this, to, I want to pose. I want to pose a question to all the UK listeners right now. Uh, would you be opposed to attending a fight in the UK, arguably, let's just say, uh, at Wembley Stadium, with a main event, which is the fight we're talking about, Deontay Wilder uh, challenging uh, Anthony Joshua, um, at 4 a.m. At 4 a.m. And, and I would be the first to, to say before I even see or hear an answer, the answer is of course. You know why? Because the Brits will start drinking at 8 o'clock at night, and they'll be, uh, you know what, faced by the time that the uh, fight comes on, and they'll still be uh, a better fan base than what we generate and and draw in the U.S. They're definitely willing to do that. They've they've proven it in the past. You know the U.S.A. are the fickle fans that everything has to be aligned perfectly for them to get their fat lazy asses out of their house to go see a uh, a, a live fight. And that's facts, man. You know, I mean, listen, nobody generated more pay-per-views over his career than Floyd Mayweather. But show me a venue that he ever sold more than 20. I don't think he ever sold 20,000 seats in a live gate. Forget it. Uh, yeah, he sold millions of pay-per-views, and look what it's done for him. It's made him a billionaire. But the truth of the matter is, is even he, the biggest drawer in the history of the sport of boxing, has never sold more than 20,000 tickets to a live event. I'm, I'm sorry, but you it, it the live event, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, algorithm or however you want to look at it, the live gate, favors the UK. The fan base is more willing to make it an event. And that's and and you know what? That's the word, Sal. In in the UK or Europe in general, when they go to a live boxing, it's an event. It's a lot different than than the way it's presented here in the states. Even in Canada, when I go to see fights in Montreal, I mean, I, 
in between rounds, they got go-go girls dancing and stuff. I love it. I can't even pay attention to the fights. But, uh, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that for a lot, we're talking live gate now, for a live audience and the, and the, the excitement and, and, you know, energy that's generated, there's nothing like watching a fight in front of 90,000 jacked-up fans. I'm sorry. Sal, of all people, you should know that you feed off of off of the crowd. You fought in front of crowds, hometown crowds. Come on. Tell yeah. me they didn't get you going uh, when 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 a fight was maybe not going your way and you're hearing, you know, people uh, that you know. Ball. Yeah, they bring you, – you, you find more pressure on yourself, right, to perform. Oh, yeah. You? You, you do, but it's, a, but it's an electrifying pressure it's, a, it's the one you want to perform produce and and maximize and i always you know use it for a positive like i said i was always want to take anything that might be looked at as a negative to make it into a positive that's all and the bottom line is even with the whole situation right now yeah you're something the, something hey sal sal something's going on with your sound man you're, you're coming over all crazy and stuff but uh yeah it's, now? it's a little better yeah you something something you must have hit something but go ahead finish it finish with your something it's uh i'm looking to hit an opponent um you know in the realities of this no matter what uh, the level of alcohol participation or not in the uk it doesn't matter uh i know their fans are very very uh well, i guess we just lost you huh sporting event that should take place so with that being said I think it's more likely that their fans would turn out or would look at a pay-per-view or would see a fight four in the morning or, ten, or five in the morning it may do that here this fight if it's held here is going to have to be taking place between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. our time um, on the east coast that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just using that as a reference and that's going to maximize the effectiveness. So even if it's at 11 a.m., it's going to be uh, 8 a. 8, I mean, 11 uh, p.m. It's going to be 8 p.m. Or, or so in the Midwest or Vegas or whatever the heck. So, like I said, I think it comes in line, taken uh, for granted maybe, but that the fans in the U.K., no matter what time, they will turn out for the fight. And here in the United States, they may not. So to have this fight take place at uh, between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. Uh, our time in the United States is more likely to maximize the live gate here uh, than it would to 4 a.m. Uh, on pay-per-view here. So I, I think they're considering all these things, Bill. And I'm not saying I know exactly what's going to take place, but I do know what you're talking about because – the, the level of participation and as you said it is an event in the UK when they have a sporting event and that's just what they, they treat it like and they respect it as and uh, here you know we're going to have to cater a little bit to United States fans because this is what we're used to and this is what we want we want, uh, we want uh, instant gratification we want it on our terms and that's why they'll sell it and they'll do it great and they'll do big uh, if, if it's held anywhere between a 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. Uh, venue. And that could be Vegas, Madison Square Garden, or the uh, Barclays Center, anywhere anywhere in those those spots. Yep. Well, you know, I, I mean, I think it boils down to this. It boils down to money, all right? And, yeah. you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, even though it was not, um, you know, uh, a normal offer, which I, I still don't believe it was a legit offer. And I still don't believe that they actually have that money. It's, it's, 
the worst thing you can do in boxing, and trust me, I, I've learned this the hard way, is to make assumptions that you're going to be able to generate money to pay for something. And if Team Wilder offered $50 million on the speculation that they will be able to cover that with pay-per-view sales or whatever, that's a big mistake. That means that the money's not there. And if the money is there and they've shown it and, and they have it in escrow someplace and they're keeping it quiet, well, I respect that and I hope that that's the case. And it gives them a lot more leverage. But at the end of the day, it's about the amount of money that not only Anthony Joshua could make, it's about what Deontay Wilder can make and should make too. And the truth of the matter is, is that this fight can generate the maximum amount of money for the first time if the live fight was physically taking place in the UK in front of 90,000 people. As far as the pay-per-view sales, as long as uh, you know the UK fans are willing to, to see a fight at 4 a.m., to be at a, a stadium ready for the main event to go on at 4 a.m., so assuming uh, that they have to get there at 1 a.m., I personally don't think that that's a problem for the UK fan base. I think that they would have no problem in starting their night uh, a couple of hours later and, and calling it a two-day event for them. I, I think that they would welcome it. That's the difference between the fan bases uh, between the UK and the USA. And, you know, to suggest that you could put it in a, a, a venue, if we're talking about the two uh, leading uh, candidates being the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas and the Barclays Center. You know, you're not going to match the live gate. And I can't see the pay-per-view sales being less just because it's in the U.K. I'm sorry. I, I just don't see it. No, if it's in the U.K., I don't see it being a 4 a.m. fight. I see it being an 11 p.m. fight there and a, and a 4 p.m., 5 p.m. No, they, fight can't, they won't do that. You see, now, now here's the thing. The reason why they, that is actually one of the stipulations – that team Wilder, uh, don't they don't want to give in to that. They don't want to have a fight of this magnitude being shown at four or five uh, in in the afternoon. And and they they have a justification. They have a, a good reason to look at it that way. If all they have to do is go back and, and see uh, the fights that were shown um, early here in the states that were taking place at normal hours in the uk for anthony joshua fights and the numbers weren't as great and the reason is because again the u.s fan is too busy at four or five o'clock in the afternoon they're still doing their things they're not used to watching fights until the evening so i again i think that the, the edge has to go to the U.K. fan base because of their willingness to surround their day or evening around the event, whereas the U.S. fans just don't. It, it's a, just a different way of life here. I, I, you know, I see it all the time when we're promoting events, you know, live boxing events, you know, fights. Uh, uh, it's very hard to be successful on a Saturday with a club show level fight, not a big, you know, pay-per-view or, or a cable network fight, but a club lo level fight, a club level uh, boxing event show, generally Fridays are the way to go because, you know, you can get people that are coming for, right from work to the arena. On Saturdays, people may plan on going to the fight live, 
But then, you know, they're hanging out at the lake or the ocean or, or they're doing something, maybe uh, get sidetracked, and next thing you know, they, they don't show up for the fight. That's kind of the mentality. And, I, and, I, and again, I'm saying this from my own past experience. I think that the, that the flexibility of the U.K. fan is way more flexible than the United States-based fan, Sal. Yeah, but I, I can honestly see this being still a success if it was shown uh, over here on pay-per-view at 4 or 6 p.m. at night. The numbers I mean, like don't said, back. We just, had a, we just had the run for the roses, and, you know, there's a lot of fans uh, for uh, uh, horse racing. And, uh, but, but, but you know, Sal, uh, Sal, we're talking boxing, and the numbers aren't agreeing with you. The, the statistics show that, that in, in the past, anytime they've shown a fight at, at that those hours, anywhere between 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, you know, Eastern time, that they don't do as well. No, they don't. I agree. I know they won't do as well. I know that. That's why it makes a lot of sense to have the first fight here and worry about it. And you know what? If Deontay Wilder is saying to Anthony Joshua, here's a guaranteed $50 million, I'll pick up the scraps and see what was left over. And, you know, all the kudos to him. If he has the confidence and the level, I think he's going to be uh, having a lot to realize uh, on a positive level. I, You know, I think the fight being here, held here, as I said, with the domestic promotion and Eddie Hearn's input and promotion, I think Deontay Wilder will be a household name and will have a, a, an opportunity here to captivate and to to, to really uh, be be pressed on as as a, a figure here, big time as he might have been looking for all along. And let me ask you a question. Yeah, you just said Eddie Hearn promote. Eddie Hearn's the promoter. Why should he come over here and try and promote? If if Deontay Wilder. And his team is often fifty million. And your choice of words, you know, uh, saying that he would pick up the scraps. First of all, I, that that would be a dumb business decision for Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder. Well, I say that. Now, I, I know what you're saying, but but everything it, residual after that. Well, well, uh, that's still a stupid move for him because if if they're gonna give uh, Anthony Joshua fifty million, and when the smoke clears, he ends up with five in his pocket. What a stupid business move! You know, I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is, Deontay Wilder has to think about, and, and I'm hoping he he is thinking about making the maximum amount of money. The fifty million dollar offer was a really good hook, man. It was a really good oh, yeah. hook to get this going. And and you know, I, I mean, let's leave it at that. If they have a promotional company that can promote this fight without Eddie Hearn. And generate fifty million for Anthony Joshua, and, and and substantial amount of money. Let's say if uh, it should be, you know, at least thirty five million for for Deontay Wilder. At least, if at not least. if at not fifty fifty, you know, if yeah. the fights here in the U.S., uh, then where's this promoter? Wh wh how come this promoter isn't stepping up with with an offer? Remember, we haven't seen at least at this point, we haven't seen anybody that has put their name as a main promoter of this event. The only rumors that we had had was that the money was available. This was an offer from Deontay to, to AJ. And, and you know, you have Shelly Finkel. He's a manager, not a promoter. You have Al Heyman. He's neither. He's not a licensed promoter or a licensed manager. He's just an advisor, you know, crook. And, and then the only promoter that's involved with with Deontay Wilder is Lou DeBella. And Lou DeBella doesn't open his checkbook for anything. You know, he doesn't even treat for dinners when you when he goes out. I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, the biggest money backer that that Deontay Wilder has in the US is Showtime. 
Showtime, would, you know, so, and Showtime can't be the promoter. So you're, you're going to try to present the deal to a guy like Eddie Hearn and say, listen, you be the promoter. You come over here. You promote the fight. You do this. Come on. No, I'm Eddie Hearn. I fight in, in, in my home place, which is the UK, where I know I can sell 90,000 tickets. And the pay-per-view buys, Sal, are not going to be different. So what's the point? If you can make more money, quadruple the cost of an admission ticket in, in the UK and have the UK fans willing to come out at 1 a.m. for a, the beginning of an event and the main event coming on at 4 so it could be beneficial to the pay-per-view audience in the United States, I don't get it. I don't see why they wouldn't jump on that. I'm sorry, I don't. Well, you know, I, you know you're talking about promoting, promoting. All I could see is if they can hook an agreement and get – Bob Arman, Don King. All I can see is those are the kind of promoters that can make this big money fight happen on a lot of levels. And, uh, you know, I can see Don King just uh, his last hurrah with a big fight like this, making it, in, in, making it into a household every every household in the United States. I mean, that's just what he does. That's just what he did. And uh, it would be a, it would be a hell of a hell of a deal to see co-promotion. A co-promotion uh, a situation take place and hook him in to, to help promote the fight. So I, you these, know what I'm looking at all facets. Yeah, yeah, Let but, me put the bottom line: I'm excited. Don I'm King, so Don, happy about this right now that I don't care where the fight takes place. I know you I'm don't, gonna, but I, but you got Sal. Sal, please, you, you, we got to look at this realistically. Yeah. And the realistic view here is Bob Arum who, uh, you know, him and Top Rank, obviously a, a premier uh, promotional company yeah. uh, staged uh, stationed in the U.S. Don King is out of the picture. He's not, he can't, he, he can't prom uh, promote a turtle race anymore. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the juice or the connections. Uh, he doesn't. It, you know, it's, it pains me to say it because I'm one of his few fans. I, I love Don King. But, you know, he's, he's several years ago, probably five or six now, he won a couple of purse bids and then had a, he had to back out of him because he didn't have the money to pay for the purse bids. So, no, he's not. But, but the truth is this. Promotional companies don't just promote unless they have a financial interest in it. And the financial interest is the fighters. And, and you know, the, Bob Arum and Don King are not needed for this. You know, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua – um, the the desire for this fight is what's going to be the, the the carrying point. Then you I need agree then, with you. then you need a top notch promoter, and the only guy that that comes to mind for this particular fight that has a vested interest in this particular fight is Eddie Hearn. You know, Deontay, if he had a promoter, if he was signed with with a top rank or a golden boy, or even just for argument purposes, Don King, we would be talking a different talk, but he doesn't have that juice. He doesn't have that power. He's got a, a big-time cable network in his pocket with Showtime, but he doesn't have it anything else. The burden of promotion is going to fall on Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn is going to shoot for having this fight in the U.K. If the stipulation of having this fight like the rumor is by November of, uh, of this year, the fight has to take place in the UK. If they don't conform and fight in the UK, this fight will not happen uh, in this year. I can't see it because it, the burden of this to be a success will fall on Eddie Hearn, Sal. 
Well, I think that's part of what I was suggesting earlier. I mean, I think Eddie Hearn, being being one to promote, he he knows how to create the excitement for for Anthony Joshua, and I think it'll carry over for Deontay Wilder domestically. I I just think that it's it's just just a natural, and uh, maybe I'm uh, being a little bit uh, uh, grandioso in that sense, but I, I I like I said, I think once presented with a field of play. It will maximize itself by having the input and having the people pick up the the pieces to make it run to run with the ball. I, I just feel that way. So maybe uh, maybe I'm just shooting in the dark, but uh, I think it's going to be a great promotion. I think it's going to be a great fight, and we'll see it happen. And we'll have to have it uh, maximized on whatever level, whether whether it's here or whether it's there. We'll see people picking up the pieces to make it happen, to make it a big success. You know, I, I just in my opinion. I just listen. The point is, is that I feel that the pay-per-views worldwide, okay, regardless of the pricing, regardless of whatever, worldwide would not be different if the fight was held in the UK or the USA. The pay-per-view buys are going to be constant, whatever that number is. I mean, they're all projected or whatever. However, the fannies in the seats number hands down is going to be higher in the UK and and I just I I can't see the justification of having this fight in the US um especially since Anthony Joshua whether the US fans want to believe it or not uh is the A side AJ is the A side of this fight okay now Deontay can change it all with one punch but going into the fight AJ is the A side I mean I, there's there's no whoever thinks differently doesn't know this sport and is putting way too much, uh, you know, uh, credit to 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 Deontay Wilder for for really one one major name on his on his resume in 40 fights, uh, you know, one belt versus and unfortunately we even got to talk like this. There should only be one belt, but you know, and now we 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 put value in who's got more belts, you know, and and the guy with more belts. And the guy that that is really considered by most the best heavyweight right now, anyway, until this fight happens, is Anthony Joshua. So for all intent purposes, he's got to be the A side. And and quite frankly, if the fight was held in the U.S., uh, the other stipulation would be that Deontay Wilder becomes the A side. He's the guy that that gets the kudos. And I can't see Team Joshua settling for that, you know. And if they do, and if it's all about them making fifty million. And then I have to question, they don't think that they can make $50 million in the U.K. when he's making $20 million for fighting Carlos to come? You know, come on. I, I just, I don't get it. Listen, we got to take a break. When we come back, Alex Papali is going to join us. Uh, he survived the hurricane. Uh, I mean, a tornado in, uh, in Connecticut. So we want to get his thoughts on some stuff, too. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. morning. 
It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget it's Super Chat Thursday. And uh, if we don't get any more Super Chats, we're going to be turning off all the lights here. I'm telling you that right now. But uh, anyway, heavy discussion about the uh, latest news about Anthony Joshua taking on Deontay Wilder. Most likely now it's being talked about as happening in November of this year. Uh, The location seems to be the last stumbling block uh, we've been in some deep conversation about that. And joining Sal and I right now, uh, fresh from the eye of the storm, no pun intended, uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali. First and foremost and most important, glad to see you're safe and that your building is still standing because you're uh, in the studio now. So uh, uh, what happened? Tell us what happened, first of all. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It, uh, I just had walked in from just getting the mail and uh, we had had, um, you know, all day. Well, for a couple of hours, we had had like the conditions were ripe for a tornado, uh, you know, with very humid and just, uh, you know, ominous, threatening clouds. But when and it came on. I had just came into I just come into the house and I was sort of standing uh, behind behind where I'm sitting here. And I was sending an angry email to someone. And all of a sudden, it was like this pressure wave hit the building. And um, I couldn't believe it. I looked out the back window, and all the trees were bent like this. And they were just bending back and forth. I could hear things striking the building. And it did. Uh, um, It sounded a little like a locomotive. uh, And I know that that is what tornadoes sound like. So I just bolted to the basement. And that was the other crazy thing was the the power like went off, went on, went off, went on. It must have done it four times. And every time and it's kind of spooky because every time my power goes back on, my alarm blares. So my cat was like one of my cats was standing on the kitchen table. His eyes were like this, like, what's <laughs> happening? And I was like, get in the basement, get in the basement. But you know, they didn't nobody listened. They just bolted. And uh, but it was over in like 15 minutes. And um, it's amazing. They said there's 11 telephone poles down. You can't, for at least four hours later that night, we heard sirens constantly. Whitney Avenue here was a parking lot. Sleeping Giant, which is maybe a block, I'm like a block away from Quinnipiac University and Sleeping Giant State Park. Sleeping Giant State Park got pummeled. Um, they said it's probably it's not going to be open for weeks. Uh, they're they're going to hope that some of the state parks in Connecticut are open by uh, Memorial Day. But everything in the path, um, I guess they confirmed it was two F1 tornadoes that rolled through from like Danbury across Bethany um, into Hamden. And uh, yeah, we don't get those too often. So it was pretty scary. And like I was just telling Sal, there was something about it that. I don't know, when you survive something like that, there is this feeling of relief and almost uh, a joy uh, that, wow, I just saw the power of nature, raw nature's power that could have just crushed us all, and I'm still here. (laughs) That was kind of a cool feeling. You know, now we we know how uh, Toto and and Auntie M felt, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, hey, what, I mean, yeah, my neighbor's house. There's a, a pair of witch's uh, shoes sticking out from under <laughs> the deck. Those, yeah. those are sales, you know. Those, uh, are my, but, those uh, are my old boxing boots, pal. But, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Alex. First and foremost, uh, I, you know, we wanted to get your thoughts uh, on uh, the fight from last week. But we're in a heavy discussion right now, and I'd love to get your two cents, uh, or maybe a nickel's worth of your uh, uh, thoughts on. Uh, the possibility of uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder happening this November and where it should happen. Uh, the stumbling block so far, uh, what from my sources indicate that, um, you know, Team Wilder wants to fight to take place in the U.S. and obviously Anthony Joshua team wants it to take place in the U.K. I feel that um, the fight could make uh, more money in the U.K. And, you know, regardless of... Um, you know, the pay-per-view situation. I think the U.K. fans are willing to pay more than they normally do. I think they're willing to, to go out and, and have a late night, you know, starting at 1 a.m., so to speak. Uh, and I feel that this first fight should be uh, – I don't personally, I don't care where it is as long as it happens, but I think it should be in the U.K. What's, what's your quick thoughts on that uh, topic? Uh, I think it would be kind of cool – um, to be in the UK uh, with a rematch clause that, you know, the rematch be in the US. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, Deontay Wilder, though, seems to be, and maybe this is the Al Heyman factor, seems to be in that same mold of like Roy Jones and Floyd, uh, Floyd Patterson, Floyd Mayweather, that um, they do business stateside. And um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they really push for a fight in the U.S. But I think you're right. I think we've seen the atmosphere for Anthony Joshua fights is just tremendous. So I think that that would be pretty cool to have, you know, Wilder go over there and fight at Wembley or at the O2 Arena or something like that. And um, uh, or is the O2 Arena Wembley? I could have made a mistake there. No, two um, different places. There's two different places. Okay, because I know they changed the name on something or whatever. But anyway, um, I, so I think it would be um, it would be cool to see it in uh, the UK. But I just I have a feeling that Wilder is the kind of athlete that you know he thinks he's the A side. So they're gonna you know it'll be a pissing contest, and they're gonna try to exercise some control to have it in the U.S. But as a fight fan, yeah, I think you're right. I think. Uh, we know that the uh, the UK fight fans are absolutely dedicated. Um, it would be weird if uh, if it is held over there because you're right. In order for it to be like a prime time US pay per view, they'd have to have it at like three in the morning. Um, so that would be strange. Uh, but I think they've done that before. Many with times. Lennox Lewis fights. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I. Um, I'm just uh, be thrilled to see it. I think it was it's a fight that boxing needs. Um, as much as you're right, I do think that Anthony Joshua is the A side in terms of what's going to happen in the fight. I don't see there being an A side anymore because I think that the Vladimir Klitschko win has uh, paled a bit uh, in the rearview mirror here um, because Joshua has looked um, less. Uh, invincible in his last two bouts uh, while Wilder it, to me looked better against or Ortiz he showed some things that we didn't know about him yep um, so I think in a way the, the 
Bloom is on the fight, and in a sense, it's on both of them. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I I would like to see it in in the UK though, because I I think that atmosphere of having seventy eighty thousand people at a fight is just tremendous. You're not going to get that here. Nobody does that. No, no. And when you're looking at uh, a guy, you know, our top uh, uh, pay per view guy in, in Floyd Mayweather, he's never even come close. Never even come close. You know, but. Uh, but you're right, yeah, and I, I mean, where would you have it? I mean, this is this is a fight that's so big. Uh, it would even be big if you had it in like uh, I don't know, say Shelby, Montana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, you're right. I, I agree with what you just said about the the last two performances from Anthony Joshua has made him look ordinary at best. And then you look at the last yeah. two performances with Deontay Wilder, and he's looked exceptional, especially like you indicate the Luis Ortiz fight. He showed us everything. He showed his heart. He showed his determination. He showed us the chin, you know, which uh, clearly his value spiked after that fight. There's no question about it. And I think that they're smart to try to make this fight next because in this division, anything can happen at any time. So even if you even if you looked great in your, your last fight, you know, the heavyweight division, one guy catches you uh, at the right point, at the right time, and all this money gets flushed down the toilet. Sal and I have talked about this many, many times. But uh, speaking about looking great, I know you had some thoughts about uh, the fight this past weekend. And I've already made the statement. I I, I feel, and, and so does Sal, I, I'm, I'm 90% sure, that Vasily Lomachenko is an exceptional fighter, and that might even be an understatement. Um, to me, he's one of these kinds of fighters, Alex, that come once in a 100 years, once in every 50 years. I haven't seen a guy so fluid as, as Lomachenko, and it's not just the last fight. He just continues to step it up. Now he's taking on these challenges, fighting bigger guys and still coming out uh, looking good. What was your thoughts on the fight? Uh, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant fight. Um, it's why um, boxing is uh, just an absolutely beautiful sport. As much as there is, you know, violence to it, uh, there's a poetry and emotion that you don't get in other sports, especially other combat sports. Um, in a way, I thought one of the things that was also tremendous was it was kind of like two stars were born because um, as much as uh, Lomachenko rose to the occasion and looked absolutely tremendous, Linares gave a hell of a fight, um, so much better than everyone thought. Everyone thought that um, Lomachenko was going to steamroll him, and the way Joe, Joe Tessitore was commentating, uh, it seemed as if he was steamrolling him, although I do... Um, I do think that I was interested to find out that the cards were as close as they were because I, even though there were a lot of close rounds, I was scoring most of them for Lomachenko. I Me think too. I had it seven to two. Me Lomachenko. too. Me too. Seven to two. Yeah. Now, the only thing I would say about this, and we've had this discussion before, and it goes back to a column I remember from the 90s from one of the guys I always talk about is Mike Katz, is I think he was talking about the – Vernon Forrest versus Ricardo Mayorga rematch. That was a fight that was very close. The thing you don't see on TV, even with our amazing uh, high-def cameras um, and great TVs today, you don't really see power. And I think that was probably the big difference. Uh, if you're sitting there ringside, or even if you're... Yeah, I'm 
Are you there? The guy huh. is hitting the bigger guy. That might not look as impressive as it does on TV. And when the bigger guy hits the smaller guy in person, that might look a lot more. That usually does look more impressive uh, when you're in person because you're seeing the size, you're seeing power, uh, which doesn't translate well on television. So. I wasn't all that surprised to see the cards as close as they were uh, after my initial reaction was, wow. Um, but I think every round was close. Um, but I think that for me, at least watching at home, it did look like Lomachenko would edge him almost every round. It was just a beautiful fight to see uh, how close. First of all, you had two guys that wanted to fight. They stood right in the center of the ring and fought the entire night. Lomachenko got the way he masters distance is absolutely beautiful. I tell you, Bill, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a resurgence uh, of or a new sur uh, surge in the popularity of Ukrainian folk dance because the guy's balance is amazing and it seems like that could be his secret. What Tim Bradley was talking about, how he's never straight down the lane was so true. If you watch him, his head is always just, and it doesn't have to be a lot. All you have to do is miss a punch by a little bit. You don't have to get way out of the way. Just miss it a little because then you stay in punching room. That last combination that he landed was gorgeous. Uh, if I watched it again last night, and if you watch, and it reminded me of something of like a, an Eric Morales. Morales was the kind of guy, if you hit him hard, he wanted to hit you re back right away. Well, if you watch that final knockout, Linares hit Lomachenko with three body shots. One kind of bounced off his elbow. Lomachenko then lit it up with nine head punches. One kind of grazed, and then boom, that little body shot. So it was almost like, here, think about this, think about this, to your head, to your head, to your head, and now, here, got you in the body. It was amazing. Nah, it it was. And you know, the one time that that he did come straight on, he paid for it because that was a six yeah. round uh, drop that he that he had. And I, you know, I, when I looked at the scorecards, Alex, I, I said to myself, "Thank God that Lomachenko ended it the way he did because this fight was going to end up as a draw. I don't care what happened in the last rounds, the way the scores were going, and and that whole direction it seemed." that uh, this fight was going to be announced as a draw, and we would have been complaining about it. And that's why, uh, you know, uh, guys like Sam Langford said he brings his own judges with him, uh, his left and his right, you know, and, and I think Lomachenko uh, does the same. But uh, uh, I appreciate your, uh, your thoughts on that. We got a couple of emails to read. So, Alex, I'm glad to hear that uh, you are uh, safe and sound, and uh, we'll look forward to Wednesday when we could do our uh, Blast from the Past on a very interesting cat in uh, James, uh, uh, James uh, Definitely. Scott. I forgot about James Scott. You know, James Scott, I, I think he just passed away recently. That's why. That's why. You know, that's why uh, I, yeah, uh, I think picked him. this week. No, yeah, it was I, it was actually two weeks ago. But uh, but um, we, uh, I, you know, I wanted to do it. Uh, I wanted to do it Wednesday, and we'll do it next week. So uh, glad to see you're cool, man. And uh, uh, we'll catch you next time, brother. Take Thanks care, a lot, Billy. Take that, care, Sal. So. That's uh, Alex Papali, and uh, he was uh, giving us his thoughts on. Uh, the Lomachenko fight. We we didn't get a chance to talk with Alex uh, last week. Uh, well, Wednesday, uh, because uh, uh, he had no power. Just got power back. But uh, anyway, I, I got some emails to read, Sal. 
And uh, we could, uh, let's get to those right now as time is ticking away. These these shows go so fast, you know. But uh, no, this first fast. one is uh, from my man Jesse. He says, hey, guys, uh, uh, Billy, he says, Jaime uh, 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 Mungaya did impress me for his age, but he still needs a lot of work. He should be better. Uh, he should get better. I'm sorry. He says uh, Smith versus uh, Mungaya should be a good test for him. He must learn quickly. You know, I, I, I feel so strongly, Sal, and I know you agree with me. Well, I think you do. I, I don't know what you agree or disagree with anymore. But <laughs> but, but I, 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 think, <laughs> uh, I, I think you agree that once you earn a world title, even though we have so many today, that, you know, that word test should be removed. Now be you're done. a cha- now, now you're a move. champion. You're a champion. You know, even bing, though bing, bing, you fight anybody. Even though you you're you may be still a, a, a learning, you know, in a, in going through the learning process, you know, you you shouldn't be given fighters to see how good you are. Once you're a champion, you go into defending that belt mode, right? So, um as much as uh, uh I think Liam Smith would be a good test it's also been ordered. It's a mandatory from the WBO. And, and I was, you and I talked about it earlier, and uh, I think, oh, no, maybe we didn't. <laughs> maybe we didn't. But I don't think it should have been mandatory. I think he should have been uh, given an opportunity to have a, uh, a voluntary defense. Yeah, I could have seen that, and he just won a title. And, and the bottom line is this, too, though. Bill, I'm going to clue you in on a little secret. No matter how old you are, no matter where you are, you're still learning in the game of fighting. You know, you're, you're still always improving, always looking, always striving. At least that's the mentality in my Yeah, but I mean, you shouldn't say, and oh, let's fight so-and-so for a test. You shouldn't know. And what you're saying is 100% true, and I share the same feelings. And uh, once you are champion, you have the responsibility of being recognized as the best, as a world champion. That means you are in a position to defend your title against any and all oncomers and whoever is proclaimed the second best vying for your title belt. Yes, you should be in that position and no if ands, or buts. Be ready because there's going to be a whole plethora of fighters coming after you. Um, Jesse says, uh, Billy, will you be watching the ESPN fights and how do you see uh, Dano against Gonzalez going? We're going to break down that fight here in a few minutes so I'll just... Hold, hold hold on, Bob Louie, for that one. I, I don't says, know. He says, right, I already used that. Get your own material, buddy. Um, <laughs> I, he what says, do you think I got it from? I know. He <laughs> says, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he says, uh, Billy, you sh- do you think that Jose Ramirez should have gone into the Super Series uh, lightweight? Um, Ramirez versus O'Connor is just building up uh, experience for him. Um, Danny O'Connor is, uh, you know, Danny O'Connor, thanks for the email, Jesse. Danny O'Connor is one of these fighters that I got to see live uh, a lot. And when you hear this, when if you've ever watched Danny O'Connor, if anybody out there has ever seen Danny O'Connor fight live, when he lands a punch, you hear it. It's thudding, right? I'm shocked that the kid doesn't have as many knockouts as as his punches sound. How, can you explain that to me, Sal? Of a fighter that that sound, I, I haven't seen him. Well, Maybe no, no, no. I, well, I'm just asking you. If, if if have you ever seen a fighter? Forget you know. If you don't know him, fine. But if a puncher 
that that you know the you hear a thud. I'm not talking about slap. I'm talking about a thud when he landed a punch. I mean, it was just like you, you kind of went, oh man, and and but yet the opponent, regardless who it is, doesn't go anywhere. You know, is there a reason for that? You know, I'll tell you what. He could be executing a, a, a punch uh, the best of his capabilities, but if he doesn't have not not that it's a slap, but if he doesn't have the the oomph, the the, the trunk, the momentum, the twist in there, you know, he could be just not a big puncher. He could be landing it effectively. He could be landing it properly, and it could be executed correctly. Uh, but it, it, with, with the turn of the knuckles at the very end to make that impact, you know, the bottom line is this. If he's not a heavy puncher, it's going to look good and it's going to score well, but uh, it may not do the damage that you think the sound of the thud might might inflict. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I've watched uh, this kid fight, and, and and I'm I'm amazed that all his wins haven't come by knockout because, you know, you you, you feel you actually can feel his punches. You know, it's uh, uh, too bad they don't have the same effect on uh, on his opponents. But uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, we have uh, another email, uh, and this one, uh, uh, is, uh, from my man, Mitch and, uh, Mitch. Mitch says, uh, Hey, Billy C the other day you mentioned Oscar de la Hoya being a slime ball or of some sort. Don't quote me on the word you used, but you are hundred percent correct. Yeah. I was kind of saying that he's turned into more of that stereotypical promoter, um, uh, you know, especially with some of his antics uh, surrounding Canelo and, and you know, his his opinion or at least the way he tries to convey his opinion uh, for being uh, uh, that we as boxing fans should not be uh, so outraged that uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, cheated. So, uh, I don't know. He says the ring belt has always been different from the sanctioning bodies WBC, etc. He says it's been a higher standard and was recognized more than those belts. If you held a ring belt, it meant that you were the best of the best in your weight class. And it also um, was the, uh, for all intent purposes, was the linear um, belt because uh, that was actually uh, how that how it all started. So, um, but uh, anyway, he said uh, the rules, the ring rules say if anyone. I'm sorry, he says, that's no longer the case. The ring, the ring has sold its soul. This is something I heard the other day. The ring rules say if anyone tests positive for a banned substance, they will be dropped from the ring ratings. The panel voted. And by the way, I was once part of the uh, ring uh, panel uh, for, uh, uh, for the ring belt. So I know how it works and all that stuff. He says, uh, the ring panel voted almost unanimously to strip uh, Canel Saul Canelo Alvarez of his ring title. After the panel votes, it goes up to the executive level, guys, and guess what? They all voted to strip Alvarez, too. Then it finally goes to the phantom appointee. Let's call him the Lou DiBella of Ring Ma Magazine, which, by the way, owns Ring and its ratings, uh, comes along and says Alvarez won't be stripped. Um, let me just rephrase what Mitch says here because he, he's talking in parables. The fact is, the guy he's referring to is Oscar De La Hoya. And the reason is because Golden Boy Promotions owns Ring Magazine. Yes, they do. They own Ring Magazine and they have for uh, several years now. He says, 
uh, he makes the rule and says that uh, Alvarez will not be stripped. He didn't care what the ring rules are. He's not going to allow Canelo to be stripped. He doesn't care what all the boxing panelists voted for. He will not allow it. He doesn't care what the execs for voted for. He won't allow it. So Saul won't be stripped. Why? Well, because it's Oscar pulling the guy's strings. Oscar has taken the ring and used it for his personal gain. That's fine as a businessman if we were talking magazine sales. However, when you use it to manipulate an already corrupt sport, what does that make you? When you said Oscar has nothing else left but Saul as his moneymaker, here's another example of them bowing down to this diva. He surpassed Miguel Cotto and Andre Ward as the number one rated diva in your Billy C rankings. Oscar and Eric Gomez are digging deeper holes in their damage control efforts since February. Then he has the nerve to threaten Triple G the other day. Yeah, you know, that got me too. That really did. He says uh, he sold the soul of his own product in the name of appealing his only real source of income, the diva fighter. Now the ring belt we used to look as at as the real champion of a division is worth about the same as a WBA champion in recess. Uh, I hope Triple G knocks him out. Um, thanks for the email, Mitch. Um, I agree with him. You know, I, the ring magazine, Sal, you and I both know that, uh, you know, I, I, I speak for myself when I say I used to love getting the ring magazine. I continued to get it even after the advent of the Internet, which kind of made the ring magazine obsolete in terms of news and rankings and everything else. Um, and then I finally stopped getting the ring magazine after Golden Boy took it over for several reasons. One, the price, it was, it's what, nine, ten bucks a copy now? Uh, but the main reason was I got nothing out of it. The rankings, they were, they were you know, you would get, uh, you know, if you got your magazine this month, you're probably getting August's issue. You know, they're, they're giving you several months ahead. And, and when you open it up and flip through the pages, it's all old news that you've already known. The rankings are outdated. Everything's outdated. You know, so, I, you know, really, the people that are buying it now, in my opinion, are the collectors. And I'm not so sure that that magazine's going to be worth what the old, old issues are. What's your thoughts on it, Sal? Well, you know, I, I, I loved Ring Magazine. Growing up, that's all I really opened and purchased every every time I could, and every every month. And uh, it was it was great. It was stellar. Especially I loved it when... Uh, our good friend Randy Gordon uh, had his uh, had his input in there. Uh, I think it was a stellar magazine. But as you suggested, I think you know, come the day with the internet and everything available, and their prices still going up, and and uh, nine dollars an issue, and and having the news uh, uh, maybe being already uh, old news by the time it hits the stands, it's it's hard to compete and it's hard to see except from a standpoint of maybe being in collector's edition one day. Yeah, well, I can't with the, see. With, with the stats, with the current, when the, when the headlines hit, when the big things come out, yeah, if it's going to be something memorable in boxing, like hypothetically, maybe one day we're going to see, uh, you know, when they plaster uh, the Anthony Joshua, the Anthony, the, the Anthony, the, the Deontay Wilder championship bout, I'm sure that's going to be a stellar addition to want to hold on to. You know, well, maybe buy it after the fact, not for the fact. Well, you know, and that's may where the value is. 
Maybe because you know uh, I know sports collectibles, um, you know, in the '80s were at an all-time high. Uh, you know, sports cards, etc. But you know, because of the su- success of the sports memorabilia um, during that time, it 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 spun off a lot of other like just for argument's sake, you know, baseball card, football card uh, business. It spun off a lot of other manufacturers, which diluted the uh, the availability or diluted the amount of value a card would have. Uh, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even uh, the 70s, there was only really one or, or two major, uh, you know, card uh, producers. You know, Topps and Fleer, I believe, were the two, uh, you know, top ones. So if you got a rookie card of so-and-so, it was worth money. Well, after the 80s, you had all these other companies that came out. Now those uh, rookie cards, you, there's many, many different options. So the value went way down. And the same is with the Ring magazine. You pick up an old copy from the 30s uh, or even the 50s or even in the 80s. You know, the, the one of the famous covers was uh, Tommy Hearns and uh, uh, Marvin Hagler uh, and Sugar Ray Leonard and, and those guys on the cover. Um, you know the Hearns and uh, uh, um, the Hearns Hagler. and uh, well the Her- the Hearns and the Hearn. uh, Leonard was uh, was a good one too, wasn't that the wasn't Hearns Leonard the one with the uh, uh, oh no ha- was Hagler Hearns the one with the machine guns? You know that might have been. It sounds more like that's the one it would be. With the, yeah, uh, I mean in my mind, thinking back, I see Hagler and I see Hearns in my mind. I have uh, I have it with I, machine gun. I have it. Um, I have a, a whole collection of Ring magazines, but like I said, I stopped when uh, Golden Boy took it over. All right, listen, we're running out of time. So I want to talk about a fight tonight, the main event. that's going to be taking place on ESPN. And don't forget, on tomorrow's show, um, we will be uh, breaking down uh, the major fights this weekend, uh, specifically Adonis Stevenson against Bedo Jack, uh, also Gary Russell against Jojo Diaz. Um as well as the uh, Lee Selby, Josh Warrington fights. Uh, We will uh, be breaking them down and giving you our predictions. But tonight, we have a fight that's on ESPN2, uh, and it's uh, Romero Dono going up against Gilberto Gonzalez. Uh, This fight is being fought at the lightweight division, uh, 135-pound max. Romero Dono weighed in at uh, 134.6 uh, pounds. Uh, he is 22 years old, nine years younger than his opponent. He's ranked uh, at number 53 uh, in the world at lightweight. He's uh, physically smaller than his opponent, uh, Gonzalez. He's uh, five foot seven, which, uh, according to my uh, documentation, is three inches shorter uh, than Gonzalez. Um, you know, he's fought. His record is 16 wins, 14 by knockout, and he does have one loss. Uh, he lost a unanimous decision in Russia against Mikhail Alexiev uh, back in 2016. Uh, of his uh, 17 professional fights, three have been fought in the United States, uh, and uh, uh, those uh, uh, have been his last two were in the U.S. and then uh, uh, one other one. So uh, three of his last four fights were in the U.S. And the only other time he fought outside of the Philippines was one fight in Russia. Uh, and that was his loss uh, against Alexiev. And we all know that when you go to Russia, don't have a plan on getting a fair shake. And maybe that was the case. I did not see this fight, so I'm just assuming. 
Um, Dono is a, 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 an action-packed fighter. He's got an 82% knockout ratio. Of his uh, 17 professional fights, uh, Mikhail Alexiev was a quality fighter that he fought and lost an eight-round uh, decision to in Russia back in uh, May of 2016. His uh, last uh, two fights were against uh, uh, very experienced fighters in uh, uh, Yardley Amenta Cruz and uh, Juan Pablo Sanchez, uh, winning both of those fights, knocking out Cruz in the first of a scheduled eight and winning an eight-round unanimous decision over uh, uh, Pablo Sanchez. He also has a win over Christian Gonzalez in March of last year. He knocked out Gonzalez in the second round of a scheduled eight-round fight. Gonzalez was 16-0 and uh, going into that fight. Uh, Dano is an action-packed fighter. Uh, his idol is Manny Pacquiao, and he hopes to uh, uh, fight and be as popular as Manny Pacquiao uh, is and even more so was uh, several years back. Now, he steps in the ring with a uh, bigger but older fighter in Gilberto Gonzalez. Uh, he's uh, going to be 31 years old in November. Uh, he was is listed as a junior welterweight or super lightweight, however you look at it. Uh, however, he's not ranked. Um, even though, uh, because his last fight was over a year ago. I, I just want to backtrack for a second. I, I don't know if I gave you the computer ranking for uh, Dano. It's uh, uh, number 53, by the way. And uh, Gilberto Gonzalez is not ranked in the uh, uh, junior welterweight division. Like I said earlier, he's uh, three inches taller and does have a reach advantage. His record is 26 wins with four losses, 22 of his wins coming by knockout. And of his four losses, he only was stopped uh, half the time, two times. Uh, he lost to No Bolanos uh, and was stopped in uh, December of 2010. And in his 11th professional fight against a 2-1-1 fighter, Yaro Mercado, uh, he was knocked out uh, in 2008. But since then... Uh, he has not been stopped. He did uh, suffer two losses in his last fight, April of last year. Mercito Gesta uh, won a 10-round decision uh, out of in Vegas. And uh, he also lost against Ricardo Dominguez uh, back in 2012. When I look through his resume, uh, I really see one big, well, one, I don't want to say big name, but uh, one fighter that I'm going to give him big-time credit for uh, his victory, and that was uh, Jeffrey uh, Fontans. He beat uh, via a knockout in a scheduled 10-round fight. He knocked out Fontans in the fifth back in 2014. Um, Gonzalez is a wily fighter. Uh, I, I wouldn't say he's that typical Mexican-style uh, fighter, although uh, he's clearly a Mexican fighter, and he's fought all his fights, most of them except for uh, the ones uh, uh, I had mentioned in uh, – uh, you know, 27 of his fights are in Mexico. Uh, he's more of a, uh, a boxer uh, than uh, traditionally we see out, out of uh, Mexico. Um, when I look at these two guys and, and I see this matchup, uh, I, you know, I see age coming in uh, to, into play here. And, and the fact that uh, Dono is nine years younger and the fact that, you know, he's smaller, in a lot of cases – a smaller guy has a disadvantage, but the style of Romero, I think, fits in 
to the style of Gonzalez. I'm predicting that Dano is going to go in uh, and and make this kind of a brawl. I think he's going to get inside and try to tie up Gonzalez, uh, not let him use his height and reach advantage. And uh, at the end of the night, um, uh, I'm picking Romero Dano to win. Uh, both fighters weighed in almost the same. Dano weighed at 134.6. And uh, Gilberto uh, Gonzalez weighed in at 134.8. So depending upon how much uh, each fighter rehydrates, I I'm not so sure size is going to come into play here, Sal. I'm picking the young fighter, uh, Romero Dano, uh, in that. What's your thoughts? Well, it's easy to see. I think Dano is the A side here. And, uh, you know, uh, Gonzalez does have some experience professionally. Uh, uh, having a little more uh, experience with the number of fights and rounds. Uh, they both have defeats on their record, so they know what it's like to lose. And to know, you know, he aspires for greatness, and that's, uh, that's always uh, commendable. Uh, uh, does he have what it takes to be another Manny Pacquiao? Well, would it be out of fashion if I say I don't know? But I don't know. Uh, I, think, I think he's got... Uh, He's got what it takes to uh, to um, summon up a, a good fight, and he's going to want to uh, be impressive and fight uh, Gilberto Gonzalez and, and give him a hell of a fight. And I think he, um, you know, I don't know. I like Gonzalez. I've seen him fight. He he is a gamer. He's a scrapper. And I think that, uh, I don't know, Bill. I, I Something about some of these old fighters. I don't know why. I just like to see them rise to the cage and do it one more time, you know. So I, I'm going to have to say I want to uh, – I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to say Gonzalez. We're going to see Gonzalez uh, rise to the occasion and turn back the clock a little bit and uh, maybe use some of his experience to uh, to get past the no. You know, I, I, you said something that really bothers me, not not you, but what, what bothers me about the sport of boxing now, and you said – yeah, he appears to be the A side, you know, and a he lot appeared. of people, a, a lot appeared. of people, a lot of people just, you know, uh, make that assumption the way, and, and you know, it is the, when the first fighter is listed, that's generally the, you know, the A side, you know, and and what bothers me about the way the sport has evolved is that there. There is an A and a B side, you know. I mean, back well, in the day, distinctly, it never used to be. No, Bill. well, I mean, you know, I mean, in all due respect, you know, we always go back and you look at the fighters of yesteryear in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and and how active they were. But they weren't in these knockout, dragout fights every time they went out. They yeah. they were fighting, you know, some some uh, fighters that were less than stellar. But but the truth of the matter is, is it was never really presented like. No. This guy's the A side. This guy's the B side. And now, you know, odds are based on that. Predictions are based on that. You know, uh, favorites are, are are based on that. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of you younger folks might not even know this, but the champion used to be announced first. You know, nowadays it's it's they're announced second. But back in the day, the champ was announced first. Uh, the challenger was announced second. You know, so right. uh, a lot of things have changed. But uh, it is what it is. I'm picking Dano, and uh, Sal's picking Gonzalez. I, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I don't think it's a layup. I think I, I yeah. think this is close to a 50-50 fight. I really do. Uh, I think the only thing that might hurt Gonzalez is uh, being out of the ring for a year. Uh, and when you you know when you're aging, uh, when you know your body starts to age, especially in this sport, uh, activity is is the most important thing. But uh, 
anyway, um, our trivia question for today uh, is the same one as yesterday. I want to thank everybody that tried to get it right. Um, we had some great answers. Uh, unfortunately, uh, none of them were, uh, were, were correct. Um, so I'm going to read the uh, uh, question again. And um, I'm not giving you a hint yet uh, because uh, um, there were so many incorrect answers. You guys are, are along. Uh, every, every answer that came in, and we had, we had about, I think, eight, um, were all in the right area. Let's just say that, okay? So try, try again. We still need a winner. Here's the question. Which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions. Which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five world champions? I'm gonna, I, I am going to give you a hint. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. So if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. I'm going to read it one more time. Which boxer had the fewest pro bouts under his belt after having met five, one, two, three, four, five world champions? He's a Hall of Famer. That's the hint. Email me if you know this answer, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Um, don't forget to tune in tomorrow. We are going to be breaking down those big fights. Hopefully, we'll get some great news. I would love nothing more than to announce <laughs> that uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are signed, sealed, and delivered. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't even be unhappy if we said, hey, listen, they're signed, providing they both win their next fight. I'm even happy with oh. that. You know, so uh, that's, my, uh, that's my thoughts uh, there. Uh, but uh, in any event, uh, I got uh, my fingers crossed. I'm hoping that uh, it does happen. Uh, so uh, uh, keep your fingers crossed. Hey, listen, uh, I also want to thank uh, our uh, uh, loan super chat today. My man Johnston uh, helping us pay the bills here. The rest of you uh, slugs didn't. But, uh, uh, hey, you know, we forgive you. We still love you. And uh, maybe next time. But uh, the truth of the matter is this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.